evening and welcome into an Abundance of Thrones. This is Abundance of Thrones for Season 5, Episode 2, sorry, 2, Episode 6, Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken. I am joined in studio by my buddies Garrett and Wade. How are you doing, guys? I'm good. Who are you again? I'm Brad. Oh, okay, there we go. Yeah, Hello. For the listeners. Mr. Brad. For the new people out there. That's right. Uh, quick call out to our fans. This will be an explicit podcast. We may say shit that you don't appreciate. And if you've got <laughs> like a problem that. with that, sorry. Sorry, also, not sorry. This will be a spoiler cast, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Spoilers for episode six, Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken. If you have not seen this episode, please stop the podcast. Unless you like spoilers, or maybe you just want to be spoiled. Um... But otherwise, stop the podcast, go watch the episode, and we will see you back here in an hour. It's okay. Exactly. We'll wait. <laughs> we'll wait. We, we will wait right we'll here. Wait. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Hey. Welcome back. Welcome so. back, indeed. Director for Season 5, Episode 6, Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken, is Jeremy Pedeswa, who directed Episode 5. Along with writer Brian Cogman, also director uh, writer for episode five. That's a mouthful. It is. Viewership once again down six point two four million for episode six, and uh, a little bit of additional information. So far, out of six episodes, we've had four that were a hundred percent critic rating, and one at ninety five. Episode 6 tanked at 60%. Wow. So let's see if we can extrapolate why. Wow. What the yeah. heck? Big hit. Big, big hit. So before we deep dive into it, uh, any initial thoughts just straight off the top? Um, boring. Okay. A little bit. Uh you know, we're we're episode six now. Usually episode five or episode six deals with a lot of action, a lot of uh, mid-season climax. And I'm not feeling like we've gotten too much of that. You know, we got a little bit episode uh, four with the Sons of the Harpy and some of the rebellion there. But that was just a little tidbit of action, not an episode worth. So I'm I'm waiting for the action. We got a little more with the Faith Militant. Yeah, we did. Yeah, um, they're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with. I see them getting set up for, um, for some bigger stuff to come. Makes you wonder what Cersei's gotten into, but we'll get there in a minute. Whoa! <laughs> bum bum bum. Wade, um, first, quick off the cuff interpretation of the episode. How'd you feel? What'd you think? Politics. Okay. <laughs> and that's the word from the wise. <laughs> Politics. Hey, quick. And yourself, Brad? Clean, suffice. <clears throat> um, my, I if clean. I was to sum it up in one word, uh, there's obviously some major movements, or there are some minor movements, I suppose. There's some major uh, events, but I would call it a bridge. Okay. We are in between. That's fair. I mean, right. they keep building up, but we're we're trying to figure out to what. Yes. So, 
Opening sequence. Once again, we revisit the same old, same old. King's Landing, Winterfell, The Wall, Bravos, Myrene, and Dorne. Yes. We open the episode, Bravos A, with Arya. Kind of getting sick and tired of uh, her job as an undertaker. Yeah, we see a nice little montage, uh, so to speak, of the body washing. Yeah. Um preparing them for wherever they go when they go through that door at the end for of the what's to come dun 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 yes um i thought the play between her and the other uh woman at the house of black and white was rather interesting she spins a great tale and has you believing it and then at the end goes yeah so did i convince you is that truth or a lie I think this is the first time that Arya's that we've been exposed to at least uh truly the game of faces. This is what they're training to do to be able to spin a tale convincingly and weasel their way wherever they need to go. Mhm. And this is the first time we've really seen it. Arya hasn't seen the game of faces up till now. And now is starting to realize what it may or may not be to be a faceless man. Yeah, and it's uh, a little more than I think she bargained for. Deeper than she than she interpreted at first. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So from there, I mean, there's not a whole lot to, to say about there yet, but uh, you get the feeling that it's building. So we, we switch scenes to Valeria. Or, more correctly, I suppose we're just outside of Valeria at this point. Correct. As far as you can walk in a couple days. It's interesting you said a couple days here because Jorah checks his forearm for growth. And doesn't seem to be any difference from initial infection. And a couple days is uh, extrapolation from me. It's no passage of time is specifically mentioned between this episode and the last. Um, it's just a, a guess on my part. Uh, the scenery has changed a little. Uh, I'm guessing they are not in the same area anymore. So, yeah, it's a couple days. Yeah, I think we sense that some time has passed uh, with Arya's montage, with the fact of Tyrion mentioning about not being able to survive on berries alone. Right. We have to assume that they've been eating essentially berries, berries and not much else for more than 10 minutes. Yep. Yeah, we didn't go like, here, this is what you're going to eat. And Tyrion would go, really? <laughs> it, was, it was more like, do you really expect us to eat the rest? <laughs> yeah. To survive on this for this long? You have fed me berries for one meal, and I am tired of it, damn it. <laughs> and then we get a little tale from Tyrion. Yeah. Um, you know, Tyrion won't shut up, as is Tyrion's way, as, as Tyrion does. <laughs> he, people who speak need to speak. <laughs> exactly um, but we find out that he's making up for lost time uh, you know having been in the box and couldn't talk for the entire trip and I guess without thinking I mean why would he think about it he let slip that uh, uh, yeah um, Jorah's dad is dead as well yes. which hopefully our fans will remember him 
uh, Jorah's father, was the Lord Commander Mormont of the Night Watch. This is true. Now, it's interesting. Now, maybe this only uh, is a factor of Tyrion's knowledge at the time. He mentions there's a mutiny and was killed by his own men. He doesn't go on to say that uh, some of the supporters avenged him. Maybe he didn't know this. Maybe right. he selectively excluded it. But I've heard it said in the community that it potentially paints the picture that the wall may or may not be serving its own purpose, not to the benefit of everyone else. No, the mm-hmm. Daily Raven just hadn't gone to him. <laughs> we mentioned the Raven in the, in the last episode, right? We did. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe it's just a community extrapolation. Maybe it's a, a potential plot for the writers that uh, selective information painting um, potential enemy or threat. We'll see if that plays out or not, or if it's just a extrapolation. Sure. Uh, back to Bravos. Bravos B. Yeah, so Arya gets a direct lesson from uh, who we know as Jack and Hagar mm-hmm. on truly the game of faces. She is telling the story of her past, changing a few key elements, and is caught in those lies. And then we figure out how the game can be used. Yes. Hey, um, um, I'll let you go ahead. Sure. A uh, little bit of a, a moral issue here. Uh, when is it? Well, not that it matters in this universe, but um, when is it okay to lie? You know, um, uh, we see a rather ill young lady brought in by her father who has been to every doctor in Bravos, and nothing can be done. She is terminal. And we watch Arya, this beacon of truth, uh, spin a sweet little lie to comfort the dying girl before uh, giving her a bowl of water from the fountain, which uh, is obviously poisoned. Yes, clearly a method of demise. Yes. Now, uh, just backtracking slightly with Arya's story and being caught in the lies, we learn something interesting about Arya's emotions towards the Hound. She She doesn't like him very much. uh, Well, she says she doesn't like him very much and is smacked with the switch every time. Uh Uh-huh. So... Does she not like him very much, or is she trying to convince herself that she doesn't like him very much? Hmm. Kind of a mute point by now, but... Yeah, it goes to the character, though. Yeah, yeah. I, was, it, I think it does go to the character, and I think the time spent together, um, I think that there was a certain... Uh, mutual respect. Yes. I, I don't think there was any strong feelings of care or, you know, obviously in in the moment of his greatest need, she had absolutely zero problem walking away and leaving him to suffer. But there was a certain respect for each other, I think, that developed over their time together. 
that I don't think her feelings actually honestly go to hatred. Agreed. Disdain, maybe? Uh, yeah, she definitely disgust. held on to the fact that the Hound killed her friend in season one. Right. That wasn't going away. No. But while having to depend on him for survival, um, hatred was paired up with need and, as you said, respect and appreciation mm-hmm. to a degree. Yeah. So. Arya spins the lie, uh, allows the girl to find peace in her last few moments before drinking the water. And it is recognized by who we know as Jackin, and Ari is taken to the next room. We've seen the one door keep locked until she was invited down to wash the bodies. Now she's invited beyond. Does this feel like a like a series of tests to you? Completely. Yep. Like you you get to stay here until you can prove that you are ready for what's what's next. Yeah, it's not so much a a do this, then you get to do that, but I think it's we as the group need to see, you know, like the, the quality of your character. Where are you ready to go? It's not as simple as tell a lie, kill a girl, and we'll, you know, let you into the next room, but, right. um, you know, taking that on for herself and stepping up to the plate. It's, yeah, it was more of understand why you're lying. Rather than lying just for the sake of lying. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. There's a definite, uh, there's a purpose behind it. When, when just... was it shown for the lie for the sake of good to comfort others? I and think that's what you should. Yeah, exactly. And um, <clears throat> were either of you creeped out by the scenes in the next room? No. I mean, I was, I was curious how it was going to be portrayed. Oh, so you and knew what was coming. I I had a slight hint, only from mm-hmm. my brief um, mm-hmm. dabbles in the later book. Mm-hmm. But the format of the room, the scale of the room was awesome. There weren't any Agreed. eyes open, so I was good. Yeah. <laughs> Would that true. have done it? Well, it's got a thing for eyes staring back at him, and um, none of these faces did. Yeah. Cold, creepy eyes. And for hollow. for our listeners, those who may not have any recollection or knowledge from the books, it's safe to say all the faces on the walls are those of the bodies that have been washed. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, that has not been fully portrayed yet. Um, I think it's insinuated, but in the books it is definitely... Yeah. Out. There have been enough hints uh, in the first episode or two where she is dropped off at the House of Black and White and Jack and reveals himself. He makes that motion and you see it just a glimpse peeling off the face. Um, yes. So, <laughs> you know, hint, hint, wink, wink, faceless men, more like the many faced man. Many faced, yes. Yes. Just like the god. Correct. Ah. Similarities. Bum, bum, bum. Valeria B. Valeria B. We end up back with Tyrion and Jorah. Yep, so Tyrion's calling Jorah out on he spied for Danny and you know he 
is showing his affection by drinking away at the brothel, if memory serves. Yes. And Jorah has to explain himself. Yeah, so, you know, great. What happens? We conquer the world. This little girl climbs the steps and sits on the Iron Throne. Long live the queen. Yeah. Now what? Yeah. A land that she's never set foot in in her adult life and has no knowledge of its politics and workings is just going to show up and rule. It's interesting how Jorah here reveals how deeply he was moved by the the scenes out on the um, Dothraki Sea. Listen, if Amelia Clark stood in front of me naked, I'd be moved too. Yeah, but it was the dragons. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the dragons. Oh, it's those two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I mean, I'm. Sure I mean, not the sorry, view, but. Well, no, I was there. the 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 view was nice, um, but it was the dragon song. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Do you want to? <laughs> do you want to <laughs> add to that, or are you just teasing everybody for the hell of it? <laughs> he's, he's kind of he's finding it hard bitch. to be critical about it you know obviously this was a very moving experience for this character correct um, uh, he expresses that this was the point of change from being a spy to being loyal see for me it was the the, the main aspect and I realize we're reaching back to season one but go with yes it. yes it Let's walk down the, this journey. Yes, it was neither the fact that Amelia Clark was naked, nor the fact that the uh, dragons were alive and singing. It was the fact that she had just sat on top of a huge funeral pyre and came out with not even a scratch. Or Nothing a but soot. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been the turning point for me. Yeah. Oh, I'm you sorry. Know? She can't be burnt. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sticking sure. with this one. Whatever she says, we will do. That's right. <clears throat> I'm on her side. <laughs> and uh, as they are talking carelessly, not paying attention to their surroundings, or keeping their hand at the level of their eye. Sorry, wrong movie. <laughs> um, or play, or yes, writings. Yeah. Um, they stumble they upon a cove and a see cove. a pirate ship. Uh oh. Hmm. And just yeah. as they duck behind cover. Slavers. 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 So. And. Go ahead. No, just, uh, you know, Chora <laughs> fell back on the whole. Wait a minute. That's not fair. You can't do this. Yeah. The queen says you can't. <laughs> now, yeah. was, were they They're looking the, sla- the slavers taking them to Volantis or Marine? I've heard conflicting things, and I don't remember the show. Um, they were going to, well, they were going to go to Volantis. Yes. They were not going to Slaver's Bay. Okay. Which is marine. Yes. Because slavery is illegal there. Yes. Until they realize that these, well, one of the two, um, are decent fighters, and they had heard that the queen had just reopened the fighting pits and they're they're itching to make some coin 
no free man would be stupid enough to get in the fighting pits. So if she's reopened the fighting pits, obviously it's slaves fighting. So we're going to Murine. Fantastic. And then apparently in Essos, a dwarf's cock is lucky. So I'll just go ahead and remove that from the dwarf. It should be a dwarf-sized <laughs> cock, right? No, it's magical. <laughs> it's Think magical, again. that's right. It's magical. It's a magical dwarf-sized cock. Well, according to Tyrion, not so dwarf-sized. <laughs> Guess again. Guess again. <laughs> he seemed very proud of that. <laughs> he kept his head on his shoulders. Yes, And his did. cock where it belongs. Yep. Well. For now. I mean, sort of. King's Landing A. We finally get to see King's Landing this episode. Yay! Wait, who cares? Um, yeah, so Peter Baelish re-enters the capital, being summoned by the Queen Mother. <laughs> yes, not the Queen. Not the Queen. Or was it Dowager Queen? Also true. Or, I don't know anymore. <laughs> Yeah, we went through a couple names uh, last a couple episodes ago with Marjorie trying to figure out how big of an insult she could. Yeah. Queen's well, she was she was told in what season three that she can't be uh, she'd kill Marjorie if Marjorie called her sister, but right. she would only be sister if uh, Cersei married Loras, which um, we'll As get to that happens. in a meaning in a minute. Yes. So which is. I think part of the driving force between uh, or behind her arming the faith. Uh, I think that's a small part of it. I think it's yes. ammunition on the fire. So Peter is confronted by the faith militant and a word of warning about his um, <laughs> business activities. Business, yes. Entrepreneurial ventures. Ventures, yes. I really liked his comeback here, though. We both selling fantasies? His Yeah, we both peddle fantasies. Mine just happens to be entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, nice dig, Peter. Yes, very, very good. <laughs> Point, Peter. <laughs> that begs a question, like, would, you, would people buy things as long as it's entertaining? If you uh, have you good could marketing. Sell, you could sell a fantasy as long as it's entertaining. I think we do. Um, um, we're Game of we're all paying for HBO. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we are. Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> They're making hundreds of millions. Yep, pretty sure we pay for fantasy as long as it's entertaining. That's right. So then Baelish and Cersei, the reunite and trade details. Well, not so much trade, but... Um, yes. Yeah. You know, obviously Peter is still very, very much playing his Game of Thrones. I really liked how uh, he obscured a lot of the details in the fluff, you know, um, regarding Sansa now being at Winterfell. Well, his sources are well placed. Yeah, dumbass, you were just there. Yes, but <laughs> Cersei didn't know that. Yeah. Um... You know, Baelish, that's noted here, Lord of the Vale, wants to be Warden of the North. Um, Baelish is, one thing about Baelish that we've learned is he is always playing both sides of the field. 
He's playing the alliance with the Boltons and uh, the Boltons being uh, current Warden of the North. He's playing the Sansa card to where he is trusting that Stannis will overthrow the Boltons, free Sansa, and in return would make Sansa uh, Wardeness of the North. Of which he would make sure he's a part of. And then he's playing the Cersei card of fight up, take take care of the Boltons and 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 Stannis, and I'll use I'll you know send my Knights of the Vale and in return make me Warden of the North. So he's he's like he goes to the horse races and he bets on every horse. Well, one of them has to win, right? Exactly, <laughs> and he's got enough money to bet on all of them. Isn't it interesting, though, in most of these cases, he ends up Warden of the North, and in all of them, he has great influence over whoever's Warden slash Wardeness of the North. Yes. You think that's by accident? I submit that it is not. I would would call into memory here, uh, before he leaves for... King's Landing, a, a, a little throwaway comment he makes to Roos that the last time the kings or, or the lords of the north and the lords of the vale teamed up, they overthrew the most powerful dynasty the, in history. Correct. Guess who's aiming to be both the warden of the north and the vale? Exactly. Baelish will, well, if everything goes to plan, which remains to be seen, Baelish will single-handedly have the majority power in the Seven Kingdoms. So, with that being said, I just want to make a call out here. For those who aren't familiar with the geographical setup of Westeros, the north is the size of, like, the rest of the kingdom. kingdom. The north is literally 50% of the rest of the kingdom. And so the one who controls the North, all of the North, pretty much is majority ruler. As you as you pointed out, as well. Exactly. Well, that's what I mean. I I realize they're not quite the same, but there's an allegiance there. Yes. And like you said, those the one that has the power of both, essentially has power over all. Well said, sir. Well, thank you. Thank you. Changing gears. Traveling south. Yes, far south and east. First visit to Dorne. <clears throat> we get another lovely view of the water gardens. Yes, we do. Where we find ourselves with Tristan Martell and Marcella Lannister. Correct. We uh, are quite taken with each other. Yeah, there's definitely some chemistry going on. Uh, for the record, Tristan Martell is Oberyn's nephew. He is the son of, um, I'm not sure his name, I'm, I apologize, but the Prince of Dorne, who is in the wheelchair um, um, for the Doran. lineage factor. Huh? Isn't it? Isn't it Doran? I think it is Doran. Yeah. Yeah. Doran Martell. George got a little bored with the names and he goes, it sounds like Doran, Doran. Sure, go with that. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just running out of names here. I'm just... <laughs> Well, after 763 characters have been killed, you know, we can't recycle too many names. Exactly. And they Bob. can't exactly pull out a David or a Tom <laughs> in the series. Bob number three. <laughs> Bob, Bob the third of his name. 
in the series <laughs> of books. Um, His parents weren't too creative. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, they're Dorin... quite a bit smitten with each other, um, hiding behind trees and swapping spit. <laughs> to put it crudely. It's a, such a strange way to say that, isn't it? Wouldn't it, though? Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Doran is sitting in his wheelchair. <clears throat> Sorry, his wheeled chair. Uh, no, it's actually a wheelchair. Um, overlooking all this and makes the comment that this alliance between the Martells and the Lannisters, or at least for the, the children, that this is extremely dangerous and must they must be protected. Yeah. A little, um, little realizing, or maybe he completely <laughs> realizes um, what is going on. Yeah, I don't think he's a fool. I'm just trying to figure out what... Uh, let's Hypothetically speaking, let's say um, Tristan and Marcella do wed. What really does that mean for the realm? I mean, well, the Lannisters will never truly ally with Dorne, just like Dorne will never truly ally with the Lannisters, even though in this world, marriage is a huge alliance um, card to play. Sure. But I don't see these families really putting all previous squabbles behind them and looking towards the future. Sounds like me to me they've had to elope. Yeah, but so what does that mean for the realm, though? I mean, I don't see this being like a power shift. No, but the 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 impression that I've gotten, um, I can't cite it directly, but there have been a couple throwaway comments, and, and definitely the impression from the book is that Dorne has kind of been on its own, by choice. They've they've been the... Um, Switzerland? The red-headed the, the, the stepchild. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's important to note yeah, here doing that their own thing. Yeah, it's important to note that during the rebellion, Robert and Ned Stark's rebellion against the Mad King, Dorne stayed out of it. Yep. Yes. They they this is they your fight, this part. is your deal, I'm you know, not interested. But the mountain under assumedly Tywin's command killed um Oberyn's sister and the children which is why Oberyn was so keen to fight the mountain on Tyrion's behalf. Yes. Um, because they were endorned, because they were married to somebody. Right? Aren't they Oberyn's sister? The, the, there was an alliance there that... Yes, Oberyn's sister was um, married to the king. Was she? Okay. She was the queen. She was the queen. There you go. She, she was the queen. This was uh, pretty high up. And Dorne has been kind of on its own ever since, not wanting to be involved. So this seems to be an attempt to get Dorne back involved with the other six kingdoms. Correct. And bring them in from the outside. And then we move to Bronn and Jamie, who are <laughs> finally approaching their initial goal and destination. Yeah. Jamie's getting a little tired of Bronn's singing. I kind of liked it. So did I. He's pretty I, good I at was, it. I wanted to hear the end. That's right. Yeah, the funny part, the good part. Yeah, Come on. No, no, That's right. You shut up, Jamie. Yeah. Listen to the goddamn song. 
<laughs> you can <laughs> fucking you can, one-handed. You can golden backhand him later. That's right. <laughs> well, his golden hand plays into this. Uh, after Jamie shuts Braun up, Braun definitely gets back at him. Uh, wanting to know what the plan is, John, Jamie comments that, no, nah, he just likes to improvise, and Bron retorts, well, that explains the golden hand. Yeah. I that was quite good. Uh, yeah, nice little jab in the side there. Uh, yeah. Although we've seen very recently some of the benefits of having a non-vulnerable appendage Agreed. in a fight situation. So Agreed. we Ladies. have to assume that will come. <laughs> hey. <laughs> We have to assume that's only going to come handy down the oh, road. Oh, nice. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, what you did there, I saw it. Did you? Yes, I, I tried to yes. be subtle with it. I wasn't sure. Yeah, you know, yeah, it kind of wanna... smacked us in the face, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was, that was hanging out there. A little blunt. Um, and so, they face a little competition entering the water gardens. Yeah, we get a little uh, preview scene. This scene was... I was confused by it. Actually, backtrack briefly. Um, Jamie and Braun uh, track down Marcella and Tristan. And Hello, kids. Jamie, hey, kids. Hey, get your tongue out of her mouth. Um, <laughs> oh, while 007 music was playing. <laughs> da -da, da -da, da -da -da. And while trying to pull get Marcella away. my daughter. Uh, niece. 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 Uh, niece. Shit. That's what I said, niece. <laughs> Yeah, you all heard niece. it, niece. Niece. <laughs> and then the sand snakes appear. So they're initial Sand vipers, scene... aren't they? Snakes. Are they? Sand snakes. Yeah. Okay. Their initial scene, I thought, was, I don't know, pointless? The one on the beach? Except, no, 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 no. Oh, that, this... this episode. Except to mutter the words that become the title of the episode... There was no real gathering. There was no real pep talk. It's Ilaria and the Sand Snakes, and they mutter the three words, and the scene's over. It's like, a, what the fuck was that all about? Well, so I've I've learned that the three words are actually the words of House Martell. Okay. But what's interesting is it's not a true-born Martell that says it. It's none of them are. Ilaria, who's a bastard. She's a sand. And then all the three kids are sans. So the people who mutter the house words for Martel are not Martels. Um, but yeah, that's got to be kind of, because it is the house house words, much like winter is coming for the Starks, it's got to be just kind of that, you know, rally the troops, hurrah, here we go. I have to assume it, it carries that sort of resonance in into battle. Or pre okay, but for for House Stark, when they rally into battle, they cry for Winterfell, not Winter's Coming. I understand. I'm... That would be an awesome thing to yell. Just guys wearing all white, Winter's Coming! <laughs> <laughs> then they all get slain and they're red, and it's like, that's a shitty winter. Spring's here! <laughs> Spring's here. <laughs> it's autumn! Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. You're welcome. <laughs> so the sand snakes arrive, confront the two boys, and uh, Bron warns them not to do something stupid. To 
which they draw do something stupid. I actually definitely something stupid. They made it very obvious that Tristan, although he may not be skilled with the blade, we're not sure, is at least observant. He picked up on the bloodstains on Jamie and Bronn's clothing that they clearly stole from uh, Dornish guards. Yes. And started to draw his sword when the Sand Snakes approached. Uh, and that's about as much input as he had into that situation. <laughs> <laughs> I am pleased to say, if you're paying close attention, at the end of the scene, Marcella is still present in the company of all the guards. So neither Jamie and Braun nor the Sand Snakes actually got away with her. Yes. Both She's... ploys fell flat. Yep. So she is still very firmly under the control of the uh, official Martell family. And I like how the Sand Snakes um, tried to plead their case with uh, Doran's guards. Yeah, we we're, fight for Doran. We're the Sand Snakes. We're Oberyn's daughters. And the main guy's like, so what? How <laughs> the fuck was getting <laughs> this like, the fuck do you think you are? We don't care. You're coming with us. I think that carries weight. That's right. <laughs> the weight yeah. of my axe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> coming down on your head. King's Landing Bravo. Probably most people's favorite characters, Grandmother Olena uh, Tyrell. Yes. Yes. Queen of Thorns. Who can smell the shit from five <laughs> miles away. <laughs> I thought that was an awesome throw. It was great. It was completely pointless, completely useless, but just a dig. The only thing that it's really there for is just to show her, the character's disdain for King's Landing as a whole. Like, she just, there is nothing there for her. Nothing, nothing, nothing attractive. So she pays a brief brief visit to her daughter. We get to see Elena and Marjorie Granddaughter. strolling through the Queen's Gardens. Granddaughter. Granddaughter. Thank yes. you. Yes. Strolling through the Queen's Gardens and sharing a very obvious uh, disdain for the Lannisters. Uh, Marjorie utters the obvious that uh, Cersei is trying to discredit them. And uh, Elena's reaction pretty much amounts to duh yeah like that's <laughs> yeah. never been a secret <laughs> i know um we open up into the audience chamber with cersei trying hard to ignore the fact that elena is sitting across the desk waiting for her yes elena calls her out look i know you're not actually writing anything you don't have anything that important to do so a funny image on twitter today Yes. It showed the scene. It showed Cersei writing, and then it showed a scroll. And it said, this is what Cersei was actually writing. And it said, Jamie and Cersei forever. Jamie, it's et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, nice. you know, kids on a chalkboard, you know, for their, <laughs> sure. what they shouldn't do. Yeah. Yep. The whole scroll was just Jamie and Cersei forever. Nice. <laughs> Underline, please um, go away. Please to go away. Please. To which Lady Olena was right. You really aren't writing anything of any value. <laughs> Uh, but it does set up a nice little interchange. Cersei comments on the tart mouth of the Queen of Thorns. And the, queen of, the Thorns. queen of Thorns responds, yeah, and you're the famous tart. Yes. I thought that was awesome. It is. Um, 
Cersei demands an apology, to which the Queen of Thorns says, you'll get one when I get Loras. Uh, yeah, so Elena starts throwing her weight around here. She's trying, and Cersei, because she's set herself up rather well temporarily, is quick to say, look, I didn't imprison anybody. Mm-hmm. and Not mm-hmm. in my jail cells. You need to talk Jeez. to the people that actually haven't. Yeah, she's uh, she's tried very hard to maintain a distance here. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, plausible deniability. No links between them. Um, <laughs> Except for the, you know, major one. Um, well, you know. Just that one of giving them weapons. Oh, that's really not a thing. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> well, but even that she's distanced herself from. She didn't do it. Nope. The king did The king signed yep. the order. That's right. It's interesting, Cersei though, doesn't that... doesn't actually have any real power. You'd think, and maybe this is going to come up later, that in this uh, exchange with Olena and Cersei, that Lady Olena doesn't drop the bomb of, well, you know, incest is a sin, too. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're faith militant that you love so much. Um, yeah. What happens when... Hmm. Ah, you <laughs> Lannisters. <laughs> Surrounded by your gold and your lions. And your, and your golden, golden lions. lions. <laughs> <laughs> that so, phrase, never more appropriate. That's right. Cersei comments that um, she is not behind the arrests and Loras is not facing a trial. He is facing an inquest. Just, you know, a couple questions to see. It's, Don't worry about it. It's the hearing before the trial. Yes. So we get to glimpse in on this. We have the High Sparrow, Laris, Toman, Cersei, Marjorie, and Olena. Laris denies everything, of course. Of course. Is it on and camera? No? Then I didn't. <laughs> no photos? It didn't happen. Um, the High Sparrow calls Marjorie to the stand. She objects, to which she is reminded that under the Law of the Seven... Neither kings nor queens are exempt from being called to testify. And to be fair, the law of the seven is essentially religious rule. You have the rules of man and you have the rules of God. And though your rules of man may conflict the rules of God under the high sept, uh, overrules all. Yes. Ultimate power. Mohaha. So the high sparrow says... I'll see your king, and I'll raise you the many-faced god. <laughs> um, now what do you got, bitch? No? Nothing? All right. Yeah. Meanwhile, I will call in Oliver and show my straight flush. Now, um, uh, question with Oliver. Oliver. Yes. Oliver. Do we want to call the fact that Peter Baelish, who owned the brothel that Oliver was associated with, just happened to be in town prior to this inquest? In- uh, inquest. Oh, shucks. Hmm. You think he'd actually leave the like, coincidence? The, he'd leave the city when it was like when Peter Baelish's uh, brothel was. You say under siege. Um, you know, sure. Because he I'm... was caught with like, sorry, Bradley, but no, um, you know, he was caught with the first guy who was apparently having fun with boys. And you think he'd be like, uh, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, you think he would have saw the signs? 
This is Baelish's Institute. Yeah, we don't give a shit. Oh, of course. And see that was... guy who's sleeping with boys? Well, we're going to castrate and kill him. I think maybe in the back of my mind, but if I was... But wasn't he in chains, though? I think he was. I don't know. No, he was... Are you talking about Oliver? Yeah. No, he was... I thought he was like, coming court. in like this. I don't think so. Huh. Sorry. I put my fist together. I'm sorry, people. It didn't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the visual was Wade portrayed himself in handcuffs. Um, yeah. Sorry. No video feed for that one. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'd had to explain that. I thought he was like this. Silent? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, perfect. Yep. Yeah, I cool. see what you're doing. Yep. I realize I'm like, yep. wait, this isn't the video. I don't have a face cam <laughs> like I'm doing now, so I got to actually tell people what I'm doing. I must vocalize my actions. Vocalize. So, uh, Oliver gets called in and proceeds to completely obliterate the testimony. Yes. Oh, um, backing up just a step, though, to your point, I'm almost willing to think that this was a coincidence that Baelish was in town. Baelish was called by the Queen for an unrelated matter, correct? Well, there was talk about the whole situation in the North, but who do we think tipped the High Sparrow off towards Loris's perversion to provoke an inquest? Who has Seriously? the most to gain for Loris being imprisoned and subsequently Marcella, sorry, Marjorie, um, guilty by association. No, Cersei, Cersei, of course. And if she had an ace in her hole, like a, oh, male a prostitute that worked for Peter, um, I think that she would most definitely play that card. Sure. So she recalled Peter knowing that this was going on, is what you're saying. Uh, that would be my assumption, knowing ah. how vindictive she is. And look what I do as I destroy your business. Yes. Interesting. Very good. Okay. Moving on. Olivar's dragged. Actually, he walks in. Um, he did actually and, under his own yeah. own power. Yes. Uh, uh, own power, own volition, and proceeds to testify, including commenting on the wine-colored birthmark high on the inside of Loris's thigh that's shaped like Dorn. Mm-hmm. Now, you think they would have, I don't know, made Loris drop his pants to, you know, make sure that was accurate? Unless that's yeah. supposed to be a well-known fact in Westeros? I don't know. But, I mean, if it's a well-known <laughs> fact, then you can't exactly use it as testimony if everybody knows it. So, didn't where's the cross-referencing here? Yeah, didn't we hear something about everyone knows everything about everyone in King's Landing? Yeah. That was <laughs> so shouldn't it be like, uh, everyone knows that, thanks. Yeah, that's not a secret. Um, that that should be his defense play. Yeah, yeah. Everybody already knows that. Tell me something you don't know. Which then the high any, any whore in Westeros could have told you that. What's you know? <laughs> see, oh, reasonable doubt. Yeah. Which then he's yep. That's the point. Mm. So, because of this testimony, which is uh, as we've pointed out, currently unverified, the high sparrow moves to arrest. Everybody involved, including the Queen. Yes. Now, I thought it was interesting that Tommen actually motioned to stay the King's Guard. I don't know if you caught did, that. I didn't catch the stay. I, I, yes. I did. Yeah, did he you? put his like, hand up like, hold up. Yeah. Ah. 
So he, he's looking around confused. He looks to his mother. He looks to Marjorie. He's not quite sure what to do, but he very definitely stays the king's guard. Hmm. So was he instructed by this from dear old mother? Does he respect mother enough to follow through with her requests? Or is he too much of a little boy with no backbone to willingly do anything about it at all? I think he has been too long played by both of the women in his life. For him to be uh, able to act by his own. Dam- yeah. Damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Well, not just that, but he is getting no clear... I mean, it, it, sorry. He is not getting a clear signal, right? Marjorie obviously wants him to move to protect her. Meanwhile, Cersei is very clear that, you know, hey, oh, shucks, the will of the gods must be done. Yeah. So which one does he pick? And he he appears to be going backwards and forwards between the two, but there is a very definite stay from him um, that obviously he leaned towards his mother more than his queen. We'll see how well that plays out for his marriage. Yes. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Shut Winterfell. up. Winterfell. Yes, Winterfell. Yes, Winterfell. This is where we close the episode. Yes, yeah, so Miranda comes in to give Sansa a bath and uh, to wash the black out of her hair. Now, many people in the community felt that this would, you know, the black was kind of a guard for Sansa and not just a, a visual cue, but also like a psychological one. It allowed her to be uh, maybe else. more of her mother or somebody else stronger than the Sansa of Red. Um, but we see that uh, she has held on to her teachings and is very perceptive as to what Miranda is saying and how she's saying it. Yes. She picks up very quickly that uh, Miranda has a little bit of a thing for uh, her intended yeah, just a little. Just a little. Now, She's not easily scared, though. As much as I was impressed that Sansa picked up on it, I was kind of bummed that she called her out already. I mean, to okay. me, that seems like it could have been a card played. Like, if it was Peter, Peter would have held on to that until it actually served some benefit. Uh, not just getting her out of the room. Sansa's, yeah, there wasn't anything done aside from, uh, hey, you're not fooling me. She's playing the short game, not the long game. But she is playing the game. And if you don't play, you die. So at least she's playing. Yeah, sometimes when you do play, you die. But she's playing. True. Um, well, and here we see her taking her first steps out uh, without Peter's guidance. Yes. Trying to find her own way. He has placed confidence in her, which... Uh, Peter being Peter. We don't know if it's real or if it's self-serving. That's another thing um, between these two characters. Is, is Sansa Peter's Achilles heel or is he just the, is she just the flavor of the month, so to speak? Sure. Would he sacrifice his agenda for her or, you know, which one has more merit? And we, we don't know that yet as viewers. Peter, we don't, the man of many faces, but doesn't need to change them. Yes. Yes. The true faceless man. 
I don't think he would abandon his agenda, but I believe that there was, was enough feelings between Peter and Catelyn. I almost said Katniss. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. Wrong series. A little off. Franchise. Um, there were enough, I, I believe there were enough feelings between Peter and Catelyn, and he has commented how how much Ar- Ar- Arya, how much Sansa reminds him of Catelyn. I don't think he would abandon his plans, but I really think he would change them. Or or think put them on hold. He would bend them. Sure. He he would go out of his way to do something not in his plan for her without jeopardizing the entire plan. I don't think if if it came to a choice of pick between her and your plans, the plan wins. I would, I would think so. I, I, I mean, my theory is, is on the same line as yours. We'd like to think that Sansa can change him, so to speak. But I think that we believe his resolve and his agenda is stronger still. Oh, yeah. Or it, maybe it's just playing into it and he still believes he can get Sansa even after all. Oh, I think he... I'm going to make a Star Trek reference here for Brad. Um, but in the reboot uh, with... Chris Pine, the statement of I don't believe in no-win scenarios. Yes. Uh, that's Peter right there. He plays every aspect of every scenario to ensure that he will win every time. Absolutely. And that's not just the reboot. That was part of the original lore as well. Well, see, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk was the only one to win. Um, so we get to see Reek again. Although, interesting, and- he... Um, goes by his birth name well he has to doesn't he he does yeah, a little couldn't bit really, couldn't really do yeah uh, my name is Rick and I'm just giving her away yeah he has to be somebody so um, Sansa refuses to take his arm and doesn't give a fuck what uh, Ramsey decides to do to him later yeah and again and this goes back my own this goes back to last week's where I think that Reek and and or Theon take your pick would be seen in a different light if he was able to confide in Sansa that, no, he didn't actually kill Bran and Rickon. Mm -hmm. But he has to hold true to that lie because of everything else. (laughs) And for that, he, you know, the one person that could truly probably help him out in the situation he's in won't because they're operating under the falsities of the lie that put him here. He's overplayed his hand significantly, but... Yeah, to the point where he can't backpedal at all. Yeah, no. No turning back now. So we end up in the Godswood. At the Godswood? No, it's in the God... The Godswood... I thought it was just one tree. It's an area. It's an area, but you have... um, We were not at the heart tree. Yeah. Yeah, heart tree is the is the white tree. Godswood is more wood like okay, forest. Okay, so we're in the godswood at the heart tree. Yes, there we go. All right, feel better. Yes, we'll be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> See, there we go. Where Theon Greyjoy, ward of uh, Eddard Stark, is presenting Sansa, the last remaining heir known uh, of the North, to Ramsay. Heir to the Dreadfort. No? And Winterfell. And Mokalen. The Dreadfort. They've, they've reached the Dreadfort. Quite a bit. Where's the Dreadfort? Am I wrong on the Dreadfort? 
Um, no, he's not. He's Moe Kalen. He's Moe Kalen. Um, uh, where Braun was before Jamie came and got him. Yes. You made me acting leader of the Dreadfort. I acted. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Was, yeah, but he um, was, yeah, he's heir to Moat Kalen, heir, heir to, to the Kalen. north, and yes. marrying the heir to Winterfell. Quite a play. But he yes. did say he was heir to Winterfell and heir to the Dreadfort. Well, because right now the Boltons hold Winterfell. So hmm. under right of... of Succession. Succession, thank you. Because Roos holds both, Ramsay is heir to both. Hmm. So the wedding was kind of boring. Blah yep. blah blah. <laughs> no colors wedding, this time. We refer to this as the white wedding. The yes, white wedding. the Billy yes, Idol it was song. Nice and clean and snowy. No shotguns involved. No, no. After the wedding comes the bedding. <laughs> or the rape. Um, yeah, this was a ugly scene. So Ramsey inquires as to why Sansa is still a virgin. Clearly the fact that if she wasn't, that wasn't going to be a problem for him. Right. Um, he doesn't care. He doesn't care, but he's, he's curious as why. Is, are you afraid of dwarfs? Totally either, he's either A, oblivious to the Lannister-Stark relationship, or doesn't give a shit, which more likely the second. Given everything that has led up to this, I would definitely bet on the second. Yeah. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Even if he knows, he's, he's like, I'm going to rub this in her face anyway, because I'm a yep. prick. So Reek is forced to watch. Yes. As uh, Ramsey demands her undress twice, getting pissed off that he had to ask a second time. Obviously, he is used to women jumping at his command. Or stripping. Or stripping. Uh, and Sansa is obviously afraid. Yeah, um, rightfully so. Yep. Sansa takes too long and has her clothes torn off. And I believe you were quite right in your description. Uh, we, uh, Thankfully, the camera pans away and we do not have to witness the rape of Sansa. Yeah, I mean, in other weddings that we've been privileged to see through the bedding, we have seen the bedding be quite, you know, pretty mutually looking forward to situation on both yep. parties. Uh, not so much here. No. Um, but I think the more important thing here, maybe it's more important for me, uh, is the humanity still left in Reek. He is not a brainwashed to zombie. the point of, yeah, zombie, essentially. He's still, he's aware of what's going on. He's embarrassed to be there. I think he feels bad for Sansa. Um, you know, he's not just sitting there staring for the sake of doing what he's told. He's looking away. Um, so I think that that's going to be, I have to predict, uh, not predict, but hope that that's only going to build as we go further and further with Sansa, that Sansa may have a very strong ally, whether she chooses to see it or not. I don't know that I would go so far as to call him strong. Well, I mean, this was, it would have been traumatic for Sansa, no doubt, but this was uh, the perfect opportunity for Reek to act on the fact that this was an injustice. Uh, and, you know, uh, Ramsey was uh, occupied. Yes. Distracted. A bit. And... Uh, you know, 
Theon well, could have. Str- yeah, strong's not the right word, but corrected the balances. Yeah, the balance here. Strong's not the right word, but uh, in a position mm. with an abundance of opportunity. Mm, potentially. Um, saying that he's around Ramsey twenty four seven, pretty much. So, spoiler alert: he had a abundance of opportunity. He could have just slit his throat back when he was shaving him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that shows how broken he is. He may still have feeling, but he's broken. He's not doing anything. Yes. Sansa has no ally there. Okay. Um, So, spoiler (laughs) alert, for those that haven't caught this far in the books, this is not in the book. Yeah, I've heard this. None of this. This is all fresh. This is all brand new, so it was surprising as hell. Um, I don't remember Peter taking, I mean, even going east to Westero- to Winterfell. He went, no, I'm sorry, west to Winterfell. West. <laughs> he went east to, uh, potential spoiler alert, but went east to the Fingers, which is where he gets his nickname of Littlefinger. He's from the Finger Peninsulas that are on the east coast of Westeros. Yeah, and the arranged marriage for um, the Boltons is actually set up by the Lannisters, not by Littlefinger. And they are marrying him to Arya. The fake Arya. The fake Arya, which is actually Jane, uh, which if you remember back to season one, Jane was Sansa's... Hand. What, first handmaiden? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <clears throat> the one that she was always sewing with and playing with. And oh, that's right. Yeah, it wasn't a handmaiden, but yeah. How yeah, 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 yeah. Horrible yeah. Arya was. Yes. That was Jane. Okay, yes, very true. Yeah, the <clears throat> so fake Jane Arya. Jane obviously that... has a lot of inside information, uh, knows the inner workings of Winterfell to the point where she could pass herself off. If you didn't know what anybody looked like, you know. Jane lived at Winterfell. She could pass herself off as uh, one of the Starks because why wouldn't she know everything? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, fake Arya actually marries Ramsay, not yeah. Sansa. But as, real Sansa. As far as the Boltons are concerned, they were getting a Stark. Yes, and that was all that mattered. Wade's so, making faces. Um. Depending on where they go from here, if they stick true to the book except for the name, right? So they've obviously substituted people. If they proceed according to the book from here on out, people notwithstanding, Sansa's in for a very, very bad time. Uh, I think that's easily assumed given her company. Yeah. Ramsey despite his promise to never hurt her, is not exactly known for his compassion. Yeah. I think it's safe to say he's broken that already. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we leave it this week, on a very sad note. Yeah. Um, Let us know if we missed anything. If you caught something from the show that we didn't touch on or misinterpreted, hit us up on Twitter, uh, at AbundanceNot. We are on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash abundance dot not. Do follow us and uh, let us know what you thought of this and what, if anything, we missed that we can address later. 
And uh, we would also be interested in hearing your thoughts on the episode, not just what we missed, but also what we commented on. And specifically this closing, um, what were your feelings watching it? How do you feel about the fact that it deviates so far from the book? Um, and yeah, I guess what I have do you think of the future. I have one follow up question for both of you. The title of the show, this episode, obviously, was the words of House Martell, unbowed, unbent, unbroken. Did we feel that that was a, a decent summary or applicable statement for this episode? Not really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were certain aspects that you could say were true in that Arya is not breaking under the pressure. Sansa, even though she's not in a great situation, stood up for herself. She's not broken. Um, so, but from the episode as a whole, I didn't get, didn't come out of it with a lot of confidence. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a lot of bad happening, but put your seatbelts on and hang on for the ride because there's a lot of dark days ahead. And with that, we bid everyone a farewell. We'll talk to you next week for episode six. Vala Morghulis. Vala Dahiris.